Red Cloaks Radio is a production of the Boston Red Cloaks. Hi, welcome to Red Cloaks Radio. I'm Jessie. Martha from Boston Red Cloaks. Judy from Greater Andover Indivisible. And we are so happy to get to welcome back two guests from the Women's Project. We've got Jordan and Jocelyn joining us today to continue our fabulous conversation. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having us. So when we last talked, we were um, learning more about the overview of how you both became both involved in greater depth in your state level activism in Rhode Island, incorporating art. And we also touched on the fact that you use some handmade imagery. So we would love to have a little conversation about that. I mean, and maybe this is a moment to pivot to your expertise as well, which is is the red coats, the red coat um, phenomenon, the handmaids. And I want to tell you before I talk about the past of it, I recently had a, a really important and and kind of it's resonated with me for a long time conversation with um, a Muslim woman who is a friend and she interviewed interviewed me for a mindfulness program that she's been developing and she wanted to talk about the handmaids. And, um, you know, I think that I could say that the handmaids were a really effective tool for us, but it's not something that our board has decided to continue doing for the, um, the representation that it holds, that most women of color see it as their day-to-day experience, regardless of if they're wearing the handmade costume. And so we found it to be such an incredibly effective, performative, activist tool, but it was to be ended by board vote um, with this particular legislation, which was really interesting. And we've recently heard from the bill sponsor that we um, work with now that, you know, it's still something that's talked about up there and that people are still saying, you know, (laughs) they're worried the handmaids are coming back. And so, you know, it tells us how important it was, but to the conversation of this this activist, Muslim activist, her comment to me was really interesting because she said it's such a problem to us in our community that this is a phenomenon and and that this is used now because um, the covering of the head, the the hide the hidden face is so um, meditative and so important to us as women of faith in this faith and so. It was really this really wonderful conversation for me because I really learned her perspective, but she got to learn ours. And one of the things that I learned, um, Jordan and I learned a lot as this went on, we we tried it once. So to give you a sense of what happened, we tried it once and it was, there were these really shoddy little capes. They were made terribly. They were falling apart after coming out of the packaging. Like they didn't cover you. They were just like red capes <laughs> and, they were, and some white bonnets. and. Um, and if after one day people were like guffawing, you had activists, the, the folks who were the right to life folks were, um, in our faces and in our bodies, they were literally like touching, trying to touch our bodies by standing close enough to us to, to make us uncomfortable, but they couldn't do anything with these, these humans who were standing there motionless, right. As these physical beings, um, in the state house. And so word spread really quickly that there was this weird group of people that were dressed in red and white. And what was that? And, um, and it started coming back to us from some of the general assembly members that we would talk to and they would write and say, we're chuckling because our male counterparts don't know this narrative. They don't know this book. 
Um, but they're all talking about it because they're freaked out. And so Jordan <laughs> turns to me and she goes, you know, uh, I think we have an opportunity here. Maybe it's time to fundraise and see if we can actually get the real costumes so that the bodies can be fully covered so that the, the heads are really fully masked, the faces. And so we did, we fundraised, we got 38 costumes, um, which was a lot. I mean, they're expensive little, little buggers there, <laughs> those costumes. <laughs> and um, and uh, we did it. And you know, the part that comes back to my story of this particular Muslim activist was that the folks that wanted to do this, and I'm curious if this spans into the many different states because our costumes, by the way, did go down to Arkansas. They're being used by a group of activists in Arkansas that are struggling like crazy, but are starting to show up and are saying that their General Assembly members are touched and, and it helps them on the floor with their minority voice. And so it's really interesting, obviously, how in these different states it's going to take on. We're a very liberal area here in this country, and she's this particular activist who's who's leading the charge down there is it's super red, obviously. I mean, it's, there's so much to say. Anyway, um, so the thing that was so special, and I think that you probably had this experience as well, is that people are com were coming out of the woodwork who wanted to get involved in getting dressed up as handmaids because they could be masked, because they could be hidden, and because they could stay still. We had a number of folks who came and who were praying under their costumes. And they were using that as chunks of time to put in towards what they needed to feel was the good energy for such a, a, a difficult time and space in those, in those fights in those every day when we would go up there. And so we were scheduling different handmade, we called them handlers, which we didn't have a good word for it, but just basically someone who wasn't, who wasn't in the costume who was watching out for folks because they were getting physically harassed and um, badgered and and um, but we had people coming out we had we had trans folks we had men we had women um, we had Jews we had Muslims so we had uh, and Christians and Catholics and so we had such a range of folks who were interested in taking part in this activism in a different way. And um, we got bold. We started showing up in places that it was legal to physically be, but generally some of the members were not used to ever having seen the general public show up, which was somewhat behind the scenes. You could go into certain areas. And so as a result of that, what's yeah, that? I just want to like specifically like the Senate president's office, we stationed folks outside of his office. So he would have to see them when he'd walk to the floor to start session. Because they closed, uh, the, the ad here is they closed the Senate floor on us. We could no longer, that's, that's the time in Rhode Island when you talk to your legislators and it got completely closed down. So there wasn't a space for us to be except to sit in the gallery. So what we would do is before session would start, you would stand in the president's hall or if we knew where their meetings were around, it would be outside a meeting room and then they would go for session to sit in the gallery. Did you carry signs with you or were you silent? We only did signs maybe once when they weren't in session and we needed it for a marketing effort. So it was, we needed to get some pictures. I don't, Jordan, you broke up. Go ahead, say that again. We also, right, to follow up on your, they had questions and they didn't know. One day we had like a little flyer that we, we right. tried to give to every state senator about what the handmaids were because we'd been hearing, you know, from like 
basically female legislators who supported the legislation that their male colleagues didn't know what it was. So we just created a handout to tell them about it. <laughs> and a press release. And then we held some readings in different bookstores around the state of Rhode Island. So we we decided that it was it was a way that we could build a momentum and we saw that for the going back to the building the momentum in the community and the movement, we were able to um, tap mostly white women into this action and it gave them um, a place of comfort to be able to do that and that worked for them and it was also something that the General Assembly members in general didn't know, they didn't have a response to, they didn't know, there was no counteractivism to that, right? And so, um, so things kept heating up. I mean, this, I will tell you all, all that the bill that did end up passing in 2018, the bill was called the Reproductive Privacy Act and it just codified Roe in Rhode Island. It still is luckily intact. <laughs> It has not, it has not dissipated or been um, challenged yet. Uh, but anyway, the um, we were we needed to ramp up and we needed to keep acting on it. We ended up bringing the easiest way to say it was is we brought the bill back to life six times. So it had these different points in the general assembly where it was either going to be put. They called it um, save for further study. And so that's kind of like the way that in Rhode Island, they pause anything. It's same as Massachusetts. Okay. And, um, and then, so we were able to make enough noise and be enough of a maybe burden, maybe just bother, maybe other wonderful positive words that we could apply there. But, um, and so that, so we were using, we had ballerinas coming and performing. We had, um, guitarists and zeners we I mean like it was there was a range of bringing just folks to the state house and saying this is the people's house and you have to be involved and and it got to a tick where if you look at the photographs you couldn't walk in the building without being accosted you with with tons of signs and yelling and screaming and so then you had the handmaids where we would station them that when you walked in that was the first thing you saw they were maybe off in the distance but they were quietly a presence. And so it kind of, it, it was, it's been an interesting thing. I mean, we, we learned a lot from that. <laughs> In fact, we have a new bill that we're, we're currently fighting for called the Equality and Abortion Coverage Act. And that is basically the Hyde, fighting the Hyde Amendment in Rhode Island. So we're trying to take away the restrictions for state workers and Medicaid recipients insurance, excuse me, and covering it. Um, and, um, and so the question my board just asked recently was like, well, what's our, what's our handmade costume now? Like, what can we do that's the next thing that, and it doesn't have to be an actual costume, what have you, but what is that piece? And, and that's perhaps, um, a, that's a, that's a great and very challenging puzzle. <laughs> so, I mean, I will tell you too, our, a, a more traditional model of activism that we did that was unique to Rhode Island. And, and that's the thing, every state has different styles. I mean, Boston is a much larger metropolis and, and, but a larger population density as well. We're only a state of about 1.2 million. We're the quote unquote most Catholic state in the nation, but that's mostly because of how small we are. 
Um, and so when you look at that and you say, okay, well, what's going to work here versus Connecticut, Massachusetts, you can't gauge until you try. I mean, it doesn't, it, we don't have the same behaviors here. And so um, we had a billboard box truck that drove around the state. And in a more traditional model of activism, that was something that was new here and shocking. And people were just couldn't believe that we did that. It was so bright and aggressive and scary. And I mean, that's, let's be frank, it's a truck, you know, with some pink and red and faces. With How scary could it be, it. right? Yeah. It's not, yeah. And I mean, you look at other parts around the country and you're like, oh my God, this has been, I mean, I used to live in New York City and in Long Beach, California. This is, I mean, that's an everyday sighting. <laughs> so, I mean, here we don't have the same sort of thing. And and, and maybe that's where the spectacle-based art came in that was helpful or just going, okay, I can, I can understand this, but I'm going to be honest, my spectacle-based persona is a little tired and I, I haven't quite figured out the puzzle. It's not me to just figure out, but what's next, we, we don't know in terms of what is that thing. And, but we're, we have some things to try and so we're revving up to do that. It's, it's so exciting talking to you. Um, I think that question of what's next is on a lot of people's minds, along with that feeling that you can only get during a pandemic, apparently, which is even for people who have put themselves out 110%, the pandemic has certainly required more. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't, you can't, spectacle-based is hard. We did participate during the pandemic with great trepidation, but only because, as you said, this particular piece of legislation that Judy talked about, the Roe Act, was very dire and was very yeah. much life life and death during the pandemic for people who couldn't access healthcare. So for those of us who could go out, and a lot of our members couldn't go out, but sure. those of us who could go out, you know, on the way out the door, you're like, yeah, I don't want to get COVID, but if we do not stand out now, right. it's very easy for the legislators really to let it go. Yeah. So you know, I will say our COVID response has been interesting. We have uh, a couple board members that are disabled. Um, and so I got this converse, I got this call um, in June when a lot of the Black Lives Matter protests were really, were really expanding. And in Providence, it was the largest rally we had ever seen, which is important and necessary and um, wonderful. And this one board member called me and she's like, I can't go. And you don't have to, you don't understand how hard that is for me because I just want to be there. And, um, and we had done it before Jordan and I, out of the blue, we had just been like, let's get a projector. Let's project the words abortion across the state house. Let's have a last minute rally. And Jordan invited a few general assembly or a few folks who were running that we're going to be primarying um, some of these folks. And we got them to talk and give little speeches. And one of them ended up becoming a future board member of ours because she was just so phenomenal. Anyway, so we we have ended up doing a ton of projections. Like we started back in 2018 and people again were guffawed and were like, oh my God, it's such a big, I was like, oh my goodness, this has been going on for 30 years, really popular in like major cities, especially in Europe. But again, in Rhode Island, it wasn't something that was really applied to activism in this way. And so um, around the BLM movement in June, we showed up and we just put a flyer or we put a giant graphic up on the state house 
um, catty corner to the protests that were happening so as to not take away from those organizers' efforts, but it just said white people do something, you know, is like, so it's, I mean, and we're able to use that and we're grant writing right now to do a number of performances and projections. So a quick illustration, sort of a sidestep or footnote would be um, at the time our um, house uh, Senate, excuse me, our house leader made the statement uh, publicly that he didn't think Rhode Island ever had enslaved people. <laughs> it's great. Fantastic. Welcome to what? <laughs> so naturally the uproar was appropriate right yeah we so we quickly that night uh we got the enslaved people's history records and we projected them on his office building and um and then we went to the house of the family who had the most enslaved people coming through rhode island and we did these gorgeous paintings um with performers reading um, and we did on the 4th of July, we read Frederick Douglass's what it means on the 4th of July for a slave. Um, and so it's been, it's been interesting. And I mean, I will tell you the woman project was about this one. We were about this one bill and we still are, but if COVID's taught us anything, I mean, I think that we all can't agree on this and all of our different capacities of work in whatever range that is at this moment is that I mean, it's shown us the discrepancies in care as well as health availability that people have in every part of this country and beyond. Um, and so our organization has really wanted to draw the, the line between, I mean, reproductive justice is a huge umbrella, but racial justice as well as government access, because we believe the more women that we can have speaking their truth, um, that are from the spaces that need to be spoken about, you know, the more we're going to have an equality. So we really have kind of taken on those three areas of, of focus to kind of weave them together in different types of formats. So Jordan, going back to where we were first talking about where you kicked in together and formed this partnership and alliance as a group, you were talking about how maybe the federal legislation is sometimes flashier. More people hear about it in the evening news. But at the state level, so many decisions are made that really do impact our rights. Are you finding through your work that you are in fact getting to draw people's attention to the state level? Looking at the legislation that passed in 2019 when you were able to codify Roe in Rhode Island, do you feel like people are staying attuned at the state level? Yeah, I, I think we have been able to sustain our um, involvement and a lot of that really has to do with how we grew. So we started in 2016 and we focused, like it didn't look like we maybe had focus. We were just a group of activists, but the first two districts that we did much work in were in Southern Rhode Island, closer to where we all were living, that were districts that had voted for Hillary Clinton in the 2016 election, but had Republican representatives or senators. So in the 2018 election, we saw those districts flip and the two folks who ended up winning those seats were our early activists. So we, we were building people up in the process. So we weren't just about, we, were, we wanted to pass this legislation, but the process to get us there and, um, and to build what we were doing is about growing and building volunteers, you know? And so Senator Valverde is now the sponsor of the bill that we are advocating for in the Senate. 
She's also a sewer who was at multiple quilting bees where she got to know a ton of people who have probably volunteered on her now two campaigns and they really know her and they were able to get to know her in this shared space. You know, we have a house party in her district. We did a lot of house parties that were just a small scale. It, it was relational organizing. We just went to our friends and were like, who lives in this district? Um, and I think to some degree that flew under the radar in Rhode Island that what we were doing and that there was a strategy around where we were doing things um, because we just, we were fun and we were like building this quilt, but we were also making sure to do the work behind it um, to help build activists and, you know, future state legislators. And then they have this like support network that isn't the woman project endorsing this candidate necessarily, but that's just like, Everybody knows Bridget because Bridget's been like volunteering with the Women Project. So when she announces she's running for office, they're just going to go help her. But maybe those same activists weren't even prepared to go help somebody because they showed up to sew the first time. But after sewing for several hours and talking about the things that are going on in the General Assembly, they were ready to do something more. And I do think in in the case of Senator Valverde's campaign, she did a big like handwritten postcarding campaign and some handwritten letters that came out of folks who had volunteered with the Women Project and then wanted to volunteer on her campaign and were like, I don't really make phone calls. Like, I don't really wanna knock on doors. Um, and I think the other thing that we have been really good about is leaning into anyone's skill. If there's something somebody wants to give like, yes, please. Like, I don't know. It's not how I've thought about doing things, but let's think about how this fits into it. Like we did cookies. We've always doubled down on our champions with a lot of thank yous. I mean, certainly we've called people out, but as an organization, our first goal has always been to say thank you rather than, um, you know, hold folks accountable. And so like we did flower bouquets. This one that was actually funny. These bouquets were beautiful and they were huge. And, um, so um, we got flagged for ethics, right? Once they showed up with these bouquets and they're like, no way these, and we were quick to file our thing. You know, somebody went to Trader Joe's and bought all the flowers, one of our board members. And then she went to Walmart and bought like the cheapest vases, but like, you know, put some like ribbon on them and they worked out to 1096, I think a bouquet, right? We were well under the $25 limit. Um, and it just blew up the Senate, right? And we also happened Wait, to have clarify, them. blew up the Senate. It meant that we had gorgeous bouquets <laughs> sitting on Senate desks and their colleagues didn't know who co-signers are because in Rhode Island, you only have to have five names listed on a bill. So you don't know who else is signed on something publicly if you don't dig in. So we wanted to make sure that people knew. And Jordan at one point was like, okay, we're going to do, I mean, one of our board members was like, we're making pies. They're going to be red and juicy on the inside. We're going to deliver them. One of us is going to go in an apron, make sure they all get a little box on their desk. So you know who it is. Those were easy to hide. Bouquets, not so easy to hide. <laughs> it's awesome because, right, civic engagement can look really different. It doesn't have to be business as usual. It's and, so, and that's yeah. really what is needed right now, everywhere, in my humble, creative opinion. <laughs> We're so glad to spend time with you and we will definitely get to continue this conversation. Thank you, Jordan and Jocelyn. And we're excited. We're going to follow Women's Project with 
happy hearts. Hey, thank you so much. It's been an honor to talk to you all and learn from you all as well. There's this is we have a lot to learn from each other all over the place. I'm just awesome. so I'm just so impressed by how creative you guys were. Um, oh, really, it, it's really cool, really inspiring. Bye. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Red Cloaks Radio, a production of the Boston Red Cloaks. Find us at bostonredcloaks.com and have a great day.